Welcome to the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Vidala, and we're going to talk about music theory, lyric writing, creative productivity, inspiration, and more. I'm super excited to have you here, so let's dive into the episode. Hello, friend. On this podcast, I have heard your implicit requests. I have heard your cries. I have heard your pleas and desperation. I have looked at the stats on downloads for podcasts, and I noticed a trend. And uh, when I order my, my podcasts by most downloads, we have number one, music theory for songwriters. Number two, chord progression basics, major keys. Number three, four tests to ensure you have a great melody. Four, how to figure out all notes for major keys. And then the only other music theory one that I have is how to figure out all notes for minor keys, which just came out today. Nope. Uh, last Monday. So a week ago. Um, it's a little farther down on the list. Um, which could be for several reasons, including that um, most people are going to use major keys a lot more than minor keys, so that could be it. Um, but basically what I'm saying here is it seems clear to me that in general there is a favoritism towards me talking about music theory. Um, so because of that, I'm going to honor that because I am here for what you need. And so today we are going to talk about, you guessed it, something music theory. Um, side note, I just mentioned most downloads and stuff, so this seems like a good time to say thank you to all of you who have, uh, told a friend or spread the news, subscribed, um, any of that. For those of you who have, um, downloaded my free guide, thank you. I hope that it has been as helpful to you as, uh, what I was, what I was going for, put a lot of time into it, um, and if you haven't gotten it, go get it. It's free. Just get it. Um, but but really, thank thank all of you for um, for sticking with me. And you know, I'm just starting out, and I'm planning on getting better and better at this as I go along. And those of you who have been here with me from really the beginning, because this started what two months ago, um, I really appreciate that a lot. And I want you you all to know that I really do. Um, so with that being said, I usually say this at the end, but Hey, we're doing in things in a weird order today. So, um, with that being said also, uh, on the subject of me wanting to serve you, please, please, please email me, tweet at me, whatever it is. Let me know what you would like me to talk about. I will take requests. I really will. Um, so far, there's been a lot of listens and a lot of downloads, but uh, and steady growth, which is awesome. Um, but not so much in the request department. And I would love, love, love to hear what you want me to talk about, and I'll be happy to do it. So reach out to me, and uh, let's get that conversation going. Um, if you don't know my email, the quickest way to get it is by getting the free guide. Otherwise, it's just joseph at songwritertheory.com. 
and shoot me an email. All right, so today we're talking about intervals. And another sort of departure is pretty much everything I've talked about so far, I have directly connected with songwriting because this is, after all, songwriter theory. And at the end of the day, uh, my goal is to make all of this content tailored towards songwriters. But I was thinking, wait a second, just because at the end of the day, what I'm doing is meant to service songwriters doesn't mean that I necessarily need to connect everything to songwriting because anything talking about music is sort of connected to songwriting. So for today, I am not going to necessarily talk about songwriting at all, and I'm just going to teach you intervals and uh, what they are, what they mean, and... Uh, I'm also going to give and and play for you um, little songs to like songs that you probably know to remember intervals based off of their sound. Now, if you are a songwriter and you're saying, hmm, why should I care about intervals if you're not interested in music theory? I will quickly explain a couple of reasons why you care. Um, the first thing is I'm a big believer in just expanding your toolbox. The more you understand about the different things you do, the better equipped you're going to be to songwrite in a, a fantastic way. Um, so it's, it's kind of like, right, a literal t- toolbox, right? Like you may be able to, I don't know, um, say, say you need to put a screw in the wall. You can use your little Phillips head screwdriver Um, and it's going to take a while and it's going to suck, or you can get your power drill and it will take you two seconds. You know what I'm saying? So it's sort of that idea where just having an understanding of anything music theory just adds that much more to your abilities, um, and your knowledge to be able to attack songwriting. Uh, just like getting better at guitar or piano or singing or anything like that is going to help you in your craft. So is a deeper understanding of music theory in general. Um, Also, uh, a follow-up to what we're going to talk about today is uh, very much a lot of these intervals sort of have a a sound to them. Um, They all communicate something a little little different. And being able to think through things, not just as, oh, well, that interval sounded good when I jump from a C to a G, um, sort of learning intervals allows you to be more conscious about like, oh, I understand that a perfect fifth has this sort of sound which matches the emotion of this song. So I'm going to use that perfect fifth, the fee, the C, uh, fee, what is that? The fee, um, the C to the G. Um, and I'm going to use that in my song because, you know, it has this certain sound that I want that matches the lyrics. Um, So as a songwriter, this is, oh, also it's foundational to creating chords, especially, especially, especially when you're getting out of your comfort zone and not just doing your basic major chords and you start doing like a major chord with an added two and, and, you know, with a sus four and, and different things like that. This will help you with that as well, which we have not talked about yet, but we will, um, so for now, if you're not into necessarily learning intervals and you're kind of like, ah, I don't know, believe me, stay tuned. It'll be worth it. And uh, it's just really good to know. For those of you who are here for the music theory stuff, awesome. 
Nice win. Here we go. So, we're going to start with a, well, first, first let's talk about what an interval is. An interval is really just the distance between two notes. That's all it is. An interval is the distance between two notes. And a semitone, which we've talked about this before, but a semitone is a half step. And two semitones is the same as two half steps, which is the same as one whole tone, which is also the same as one whole step. So there's two half steps and a whole step. There's two semitones and a whole step. Uh, because a semitone is the same as a half step, which means a whole tone is the same as a whole step. So with that said, we're going to now jump into intervals. So basically, I think a good first thing to understand is that there are basically five different types of intervals. You have a major and a minor and a perfect, and then a diminished and an augmented. So there's only three perfect intervals. And the reason they're called perfect is sort of on the scientific end of things, but uh, the label of perfect is, is sort of to describe the interval's quality. Um, they're, ca they're called perfect because the ratios of their frequencies are simple whole numbers. Now, if all that meant nothing to you, basically all you need to know is it just sounds extra perfect. Um, a major usually sounds really nice and pretty. A perfect sounds even more, you guessed it, perfect. Um, so there's, there's only three perfect intervals. There's a perfect, well, te technically four, I guess. There's perfect unison, which is the same note twice in a row. Right? Perfect unison. And then there's a perfect fourth, a perfect fifth, and then a perfect octave, which is basically the same as a perfect unison because up the octave is also the same note, just an octave higher. So those are the only three or four perfect intervals. Unison which is basically the same as an octave, because an octave is just the same note, but one octave up. A fourth, perfect fourth, and a perfect fifth. Now besides that, all of your other intervals, like a third or a sixth, are always going to be um, based around major and minor. So one way to think about this is... With any interval, you're going to have one of two things. You're going to either have a perfect or you're going to have a major and a minor. Because basically, you have a major and a minor. And if it's even one semitone or one half step higher than a major, then you have augmented. If it's one semitone lower than the minor, then you have diminished. Now with perfect, you don't have major and minor. So instead, one semitone more than perfect is the same as one semitone more than major, which is augmented, and one semitone less than perfect is the same as one semitone less than minor, which is diminished. So um, 
You could almost see perfect as splitting the difference between major and minor in this perfect middle ground. Um, so when you have a perfect, like a fourth and a fifth, there is no major and minor. So there's no major fifth, there's no minor fifth, there's no major or minor fourth, and there's no major or minor octave or unison. There's just perfect ones. Which is why a good starting sp spot is to just memorize, hey, there's a perfect unison, which is basically the same as a perfect octave, just up an octave, and then a perfect fourth and a perfect fifth. Memorize that. From there, um, now we're gonna just go through the different intervals. So we've covered that there is no perfect second, right? So because of that, we know that there is a minor and a major second. So first we have unison, right, obviously, and we cover that that's perfect. So that's two Cs, that's a unison. And a minor second is just that one semitone up. So minor second is like this. And the easy way to remember a minor second is that a minor second is the same as Jaws. So that's a pretty easy way to remember that. I think uh, regardless of whether you've seen the movie or not, which if you haven't seen the movie, really? Go watch that movie. Turn off the podcast and watch the movie. No, just kidding. Uh, finish the podcast and then watch the movie right away. Doesn't matter if you have to pirate it. Just kidding. Don't pirate it. Just find it on a sketchy website. What? Um, <laughs> uh, but seriously, Jaws is a great watch. So if you haven't watched it, watch it. But... Regardless, I'm sure you have heard that song a million times before in your life. Um, so a minor second is the same as that Jaws theme. Now, because we already covered that a one semitone less than a minor is diminished, nobody would ever say it this way. But can you figure out what a diminished second would be? Since a minor second is one semitone above the unison, so the next note, what do you think a diminished second would be? Correct. It is the same as its unison. Because diminished is always one less than minor or one less than perfect. Um, now again, that's not necessarily practical knowledge. Nobody's, unless you're being really pretentious, nobody's going to be like, hmm, the diminished second. Like, n no, it's, it's unison. Uh, there's hardly ever is, is it would it be appropriate to describe that as a diminished second. Um, but this is mostly just to kind of, I don't want you just memorizing these interval names so much as understanding the intervals. Um, so I just say this to make sure you understand what a diminished is, uh, which is one semitone less than a minor in all cases, or one semitone less than a perfect interval. Um, so minor second is one semitone up from uh, the unison, which sounds like Jaws. So then we have a major second. Major 
compared to minor is always one semitone uh, more. So one semitone above a minor second is a major second, uh, which means that since the major second is one semitone above unison, a major second is two semitones above unison. And one way to remember a, the sound of a major second is happy birthday. So here's a major second. So. Whoops. So it's this part. That is a major second. So now we know that a minor second is one semitone away from your original note, and a major second is two semitones away. So what would you say an augmented second is? If we know that a diminished is one semitone less than a minor, and an augmented is one semitone more than a major, and we know that the major second is two semitones how many semitones away is the augmented second? You guessed it. It is three semitones away. So that right there, that is your augmented second. Which, by the way, is the same as a minor third. So a minor third is three semitones away, and a minor third is the same as an augmented second, but really, the better way to remember a minor third is simply that it is a major third, which a major third is three, or sorry, four semitones from the original note. Um, so... A minor third is just one semitone less than that. So, so we're basically just going up by semitone. We have the zeroth semitone, which is unison. And then minor second, which is one semitone. And then major second, which is two semitones. And then we have a minor third, which is three semitones. So as you can see, since we've started with unison and then minor second, major second, minor third, um, very often uh, all intervals are really going to be in major, minor, and perfect. Um, diminished and augmented certainly have their place, but um, so sometimes they're just different ways of looking at um, a different interval. So. So back to the example of minor third, a minor third is the same as an augmented second because a minor third is one up from a major second and an augmented second is also one up from a major second, which is why an augmented second and a minor third is the exact same thing. So to remember a minor third um, would be green sleeves. So that 
that is your minor third. And a major third, which is one semitone higher than the minor third, is when the saints go marching in. So, it's this. And a major third, as we covered, is four semitones away. So a major second is two semitones away from the unison. A major third is four semitones away. And then we have a perfect fourth, which is five semitones away. So after a major third, we have a perfect fourth. And a good way to remember a perfect fourth is either Here Comes the Bride or Amazing Grace. So that's a perfect fourth, which is one semitone higher than a major third. Um, so let's look at what we have so far. So we have a perfect unison, which is zero semitones away from, well, the original note. Then we have a major second, which is two away. Major third is four away. Perfect fourth is fifth, five away. So to go from major to major, you'll notice that we're going up by two. Because we always go unison, minor, major, minor, major. And now that we're at the fourth, we have perfect, which is five semitones away. And then we also have perfect fifth, right? So if you were to guess, would you say that a perfect fifth is the same amount of semitones away from a perfect fourth? as two majors are from each other because they both sort of have that same uh i hate to say happy sound but sort of that that same sound right so it would make sense right that a fourth and a fifth that doesn't sound all that different than than the change from right so, yes, you'd be correct in that a perfect fifth is seven semitones away. So a perfect fourth is five semitones, and a perfect fifth is seven semitones, which is, again, two semitones away. So what to get from this is minors and majors are always two semitones away from the next one. So if you're at a minor interval, so say a minor... Second. You always know that if you go two more up, so that's two more up, because we started with this, one up, two up, that is also going to be a minor interval, so that's a minor third. Again, exceptions to this are when you throw perfects into the mix. And similarly, a major second. If you go up two more semitones, you have a major third. So for the most part, you're going minor, major, minor, major, minor, major um, with perfects thrown in. So if you're going up by semitones, you have, um, if we're going up one each, you have minor second, major second, minor third, major third, perfect fourth at, at the five for semitones. 
And then six semitones is actually an augmented fourth or a diminished fifth, which is almost never used, so I won't really worry about it. But um, that's technically what's in between. But after that five semitones away, we get the perfect fifth, which is seven semitones away. And then if you were to guess, what would the next one be after a perfect fifth? Since we went from major third to perfect fourth, would you think perfect fifth to minor sixth? I hope so, because that would be correct. Um, so then from there, we're at seven semitones. Eight semitones is the minor sixth. And then major sixth. And then minor seventh. And then major seventh. And then octave. Um, so all this to say, if you go one semitone up, literally all of those intervals can be called by their major or minor name, um, except for the one that is six semitones. Um, yes. So, uh, back to the fourth. Uh, we covered that the perfect fourth is the same as here comes the bride or amazing grace. Let's do that one again. So... Or, so that's your perfect fourth, and then a perfect fifth, which is two semitones higher than the fourth. Um, there's two ways, to there's some ways to remember this one too. One would be twinkle, twinkle, little star. If you're lame, or if you're cool, and or a nerd like me, you remember it as Star Wars. So it's that. Or for Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. That is what a perfect fifth sounds like. And then a minor sixth um, sounds like this. I don't really have a song for this one. but obviously sounds just a little bit higher than the uh, perfect fifth. That's the minor sixth. And then one semitone above that. What do you think one semitone above a minor sixth is? You guessed it, a major sixth. And then we said that uh, any minor to minor or major to major is two semitones away from each other, right? So to go from a minor sixth to a minor seventh would be two semitones away. And if we've already gone up one semitone to go from the minor sixth to the major sixth, one more semitone would be, that's right, a minor seventh. For the record, for major sixth, and by sith, which clearly came up because I was thinking about Star Wars, um, for major sixth, a way to remember that is my Bonnie lies over the ocean. Just that major sixth. And then major seventh. Or sorry, minor seventh. And then what do you think one semitone higher than the minor seventh would be? 
That's right, major seventh. It should be the same as take on me for the like take me on part. Another way to remember it is that major seventh just begs to go to that octave. So once I do this, I bet right now in your head you're like, go up to this, right? Um, so that's another way to remember. It just has that like so close, just needs to get to that octave. And then octave sounds fairly straightforward because it's the same note one octave up. But if you really need something, somewhere over the rainbow. Uh, for the somewhere. Um, all right. So I know that that was a whirlwind. So I just want to go through some things again, just to make sure. I don't want to leave you guys confused. So for the most part, you're going to be thinking of intervals in terms of semitones and whether it's a perfect major or minor. And you can cover every interval um, all the way up to one octave away with describing it as a major or a minor with the exception of the note that is six semitones away in between your perfect fourth and perfect fifth. Um, in between your perfect fourth and perfect fifth. Again, we covered this, so uh, let's think through it. I said that one semitone higher than a major is the same as one semitone higher than a um, perfect, just as one semitone lower than a minor is the same as one semitone lower than a perfect. So one semitone higher than a perfect fourth, which is also one semitone lower than a perfect fifth, how do you think those could be described? One semitone higher than a perfect fourth, so augmented fourth, right? And one semitone lower than a perfect fifth, so diminished fifth. So an augmented fourth and a diminished fifth are the same note. Because a perfect fourth and a perfect fifth, just like any intervals that have the same name, so from one major to the next major, is two semitones away. From one minor to the next minor is two semitones away. Um, obviously with perfects being the exceptions um, because we don't have a major or minor fourth or fifth. Um, and then two semitones away also are the two perfects, which means there has to be something in between the perfect fourth and the perfect fifth. And that is one semitone away. And we already know that one less than a minor is the same as one less than a perfect, which is diminished. And one higher than a perfect is the same as one higher than a major, which is augmented. So one higher than a perfect fourth is the same as one lower than a perfect fifth, because there's one note in between them, and it could be called an augmented fourth or a diminished fifth. So. Let's go through all the important intervals with the important names that you really need to know first, um, real fast. So we got unison again, and then minor second, major second, me minor third, major third, perfect fourth, 
And then we have the misfit, the one that we almost never use, which is that augmented fourth or diminished fifth. And then we're back to perfect, perfect fifth. And then one higher than a perfect fifth is a minor sixth. One higher than that is a major sixth. One higher than that is a minor seventh. And then major seventh. And then your perfect octave. Now, to re-go over one last time that concept of diminished and augmented, what would you say a minor third could also be called? So, it goes from perfect unison, minor second, major second, and then minor third. So if we were to describe a minor third as far as seconds, what would it be? Because we know we went minor second, major second, and then the next one is minor third. is one semitone higher than major second. So another way of saying minor third, one semitone higher than major second, would also be what? What do we know is one semitone higher than major? Augmented. So we know that a minor third, which is one semitone higher than a major second, what also is one semitone higher than a major second? An augmented second. Now, let's look at it from the other angle. So let's take a major second. Um, if we go one higher than a major second, we have a minor third. And then one semitone higher than that is a major third. So... What do you think a major second could also be called? If it's one semitone lower than what we would call a minor third, what is one semitone lower than a minor? Diminished. So, a major second, which is one semitone lower than a minor third, could also be called a diminished third. Similarly, since we just said we have a major second, which is the same as a diminished third, and then we have a minor third, and then we have a major third, and then after that is a perfect fourth, which is one semitone higher than a major third. But what also is one semitone higher than a major? Augmented. So technically, a perfect fourth, which is one semitone higher than a major third, is also an augmented third. So diminished and augmented is really just a way for an interval to stretch even farther, if that makes sense. So always, like, a diminished third is the same as a major second. A diminished fourth is the same as a major third. An augmented second is the same as a minor third. So if you're going to think, a good way to think of this is a minor and a major and a perfect are your main describers. Most intervals, you're just going to think of and describe as major, minor, or perfect. Diminished and augmented gives you a fresh way to look at those same intervals. Because outside of that six semitones away, which can only be known as augmented fourth and diminished fifth, because it's the space in between two perfects, um, with perfect fourth being five semitones and perfect fifth being seven semitones away, that, that, that six semitones is the odd man out, where it really can only be described as an augmented fourth, 
one higher than the perfect fourth or diminished fifth because it's one lower than the perfect fifth. Outside of that, all of the other intervals can be described in, in a couple different ways because that diminished and augmented allows you to stretch that interval even more. So if a minor third is one more than a major second, you can also call that an augmented second because it's one higher than major. Um, so that's really all there is to intervals. Um, so in review, a perfect plus one semitone is augmented. A major plus one semitone is augmented. A perfect minus one semitone is diminished. And a minor minus one semitone is diminished. And another way to look at it is if you're going to take an interval... It, goes, it always goes diminished, minor, major, augmented. Or diminished, perfect, augmented. So two examples to close. So first, let's start. Let's, let's take it easy. We got unison, which is actually a diminished second. And then a minor second. And then a major second. And then an augmented second. So really, it's diminished, minor, major, augmented. So you got four different notes that are all a second. Uh, with the diminished second being the same as a unison, and the augmented second the same as a minor third. Uh, similarly, with perfect and augmented. So, we have... Let's do the perfect fifth. So we have perfect fifth. So diminished to perfect to augmented. So diminished, perfect. Whoops. Too far. Sorry. Diminished, perfect, augmented. So that's, that's really all there is to intervals. Thanks for listening to the Songwriter Theory Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. If you want to jumpstart your songwriting, be sure to download my free guide on 10 proven ways to start writing a song at songwritertheory.com slash free guide. Whether you're brand new to songwriting or a seasoned vet, this guide will help you to avoid staring at a blank page wondering where to start. Even if you just want to figure out some different ways to start writing a song, this free guide is for you.